0: Again, welcome, everybody. We're continuing our six-week sermon series, Making Sense of the Bible. Today, last week, we heard about kind of how it all came together from Father Bob, and today, Father Bob sends you his greetings. He's away with his sons, but he's asked me to preach the whole Old Testament, so take a deep <laughs> breath, and here we go. <laughs> we're going uh, to start with a couple of things. What is the Old Testament, first of all, and, and we'll go from there. The Old Testament is uh, the first testament of the two that exist in the Bible. Um, it is a, a group of books. It's really a library. It's 39 different books. It contains laws and uh, prophecies and writings and poetry and tall tales and history and wisdom and all kinds of other literature. Um, it's studied by many um, for the different genre of literature that exists. It It's kind of compiled, Uh, Bob mentioned last week, um, when the Israelites have been in exile in Babylon and they come back, the Persians kind of ask them, give us your holy book. And so, if you think, uh, the only date I want you to know is really 585, and that's the final destruction of Jerusalem and Israel going into exile. So, about 50 years after that, um, some written, other parts had been written down before, but it kind of begins to get codified into a set of scriptures Obviously, for hundreds and thousands of years before that, the stories of the Old Testament were told through oral tradition, which is extraordinarily accurate. The stories of uh, the forefathers and mothers, the patriarchs and matriarchs that had come before, the stories of God's interaction with God's people. I, um, I really want to emphasize that what's happening through the whole Old Testament can be summed up in just this. God loves us. That's it. Now, well, that's what the New Testament says. Yes, but so does the Old Testament. Here's how we know this. We hear about God's love in creation. God loves enough outpouring of God's self to make everything that is. God loves humanity enough to come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden and says, you know what, you guys can eat anything you want, just not that. And things are great. God's happy, we're happy. And then we're like, yeah, did he say not to do that? Let's do that. And so we eat. And it's a story that explains some sort of original separation from the divine. Why do we feel this absence in our lives? There's something missing. Clearly, there's something greater than us. And as early humans begin to talk about these things, they begin to communicate the truth of this um, through the stories they tell. And then if you were in uh, God's story today, you heard about the flood and, and Noah and God saying, I'm going to pick this guy and his family, and they're going to be the ones. They're going to get this thing right. And pretty shortly after the flood, Noah does, and his sons do some things, and they kind of mess that up. Um, then we hear about Abraham. God's going God's to save the world and talk to the world and be in relation with the world through one guy, Abraham, and he's going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And God makes a covenant with Abraham like he made a covenant with Noah, Like he made a covenant with Adam and Eve and creation. And over and over we see in the Old Testament that God is making a promise. That God's always going to be present and to love his creation. And that we enter into a covenant relationship with God. We see that uh, through the giving of the Ten Commandments. We see that over and over throughout the Old Testament. And over and over we break the commandment and God is faithful. And so if you could sum up the whole Old Testament in one phrase it would be God loves us. God loves us enough to keep coming back and inviting us into deep, intimate, covenant relationship with God. And we keep messing it up. And so, Jesus needs to come. And next week, Bob's going to tell you the whole story of the New Testament. (laughs) Today. How do we get from where we are to there? I wanted to talk a little bit about how we should read the Old Testament. And um, our worship crew heard heard our little cheer for the day. And our cheer is a bat is not a bird. But I'm going to read to you from Leviticus. Um, I started reading the Bible seriously when I was in high school, and I started with the book of Revelation. That's not the place to start. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, from then I, I went on and continued to read things. I studied biology in college. And so when I came upon this particular passage of Scripture, it kind of stopped me a bit. And just bear with me for one second. These you shall regard as detestable among the birds. This is Leviticus chapter 11. They shall not be eaten. So this is all the... Um, kosher laws, right? What foods you can eat and what foods you can't eat. Now, you can't eat a bunch of these birds. They're an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the osprey, the buzzard, any kind of raven, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the stork, the heron of any kind, and the bat. The what? <laughs> the bat isn't a bird. It's a mammal, right? What do we do with that? Is the Bible wrong? Or is humanity's knowledge at the time that Leviticus was written on a certain level? Sure, a bat's a bird. It flies around like other birds, right? We shouldn't eat them. Probably someone tried one. They don't taste good. But anyway, um, but why is that in there? And what are we to do with it? And so what I would commend to you all is that we read the Old Testament for the truth that it conveys. Um, It is full of truth, but it is full of uh, different types of literature that communicate truth. So if you read a history in school today, or if you go into the bookstore and pick up a history, you have to remember that the history that you're reading was written from a particular perspective, right? Uh, We've seen over and over again um, in our educational process and, and how books are written that some authors might have a particular take on history and some might have another. Um, and that's true of, of lots of literature. And so when we read the Bible, we got to kind of remember a few things. Remember that when humanity is beginning to ask questions about the divine and who God is and how we're in relationship with God, that their understanding then may be a little less, I'll say, developed than our understanding today. And here's, here's an example of, of what I mean by this. When we talk to, let's say, children about the very important question of where babies come from, when they're two we might give them a story that contains truth when a mommy and daddy love each other, whatever you say. When they're five, we might give them a little more details. When they're 10, 11, 12, we better tell them how it really happens, right? And then when you actually experience having a child, then you're, it's a whole different experience. You know, then there's a whole lot more that you understand uh, that you can't understand just by someone telling you. I think part of the Old Testament is that way. Our ability to understand God's grace, mercy, and truth is limited. It's still limited. But if Jesus showed up on day one, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. There's a famous uh, prescription that gets quoted all the time that comes from the Old Testament, and that's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You've heard that before. Lex talionis is the, the Latin for that. And Basically, what was happening is humankind back in the day living in villages, if you came over to my village and burned down my hut, in response, I would go to your village and kill everybody. It's not the same, right? So you know what? Actually, we ought to do more of an equal kind of punishment for the crime or if someone's wronged one way, they ought to be equal. There's tons of scriptures about this in the Old Testament. Ultimately, that's not the place where we need to stay though, right? Because if God retaliated to us, equally for all of our sins and mistakes, oh, there's no hope. Ultimately, God wants to teach us about forgiveness. And we learn that lesson through the cross. But before we can learn that lesson, we have to get to the eye for an eye part. Um, And even our Jewish friends today would say that's not where it stops. You know, we as humans have developed and have a better understanding of that. This morning I asked if anybody had any pressing questions about the Old Testament. I'm a little hesitant to do it right now because I have no idea what anybody might ask, but I will give you an opportunity if you have any questions or thoughts about the Old Testament that we can talk about for a few more minutes. The main point that I want to make with you all, I've said and I'll say it again, is what we learned through the whole of the Old Testament, all 39 books, is the salvation history of God and us of how, we're in right, you know, how we can be in right relationship with God. God gives the Ten Commandments, the laws, not as a punitive measure, but in order to teach us how to live together and to live in right relationship with each other and God. We see that history throughout the Old Testament through um, the wandering, through the calling, through the promises, through the kings, through the fallingness, through the return. Over and over and over again, we see this consistent message of covenant relationship that God calls us to. All right, anybody have any pressing questions about the Old Testament? Now's your chance. Nobody's brave enough. Well, that's going to happen anyway. Stumping the priest is going to happen no matter what anybody asks, but I can try. No questions. Yes. So we know, like, Israel is, they're the chosen people. Thank you. Yes, Israel's the chosen people. Why was not Egypt the chosen people? Why was not Egypt the chosen people? Great question. So what we see in and throughout the Old Testament is um, God trying different things to see what would work, right? We, creation didn't work. Noah didn't work. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, twelve tribes of Israel. Let's give that a try. Eh, they're supposed to be a light to the world. Didn't work. Jesus, right? And so, uh, for us as Christians, we understand the story of of the Old Testament and Judaism as one that we as Christians are grafted onto, right? This is a um, horticulturist thing where, and we said in our collet today, to be grafting is taking a a piece of a plant that you want to be successful and kind of connecting it, making it one with with a host plant. We as Christians, as Gentiles, are grafted into the story of Israel. We don't exist without that story. We're part of that story. Uh, We're a particular thing. And so God ultimately wants to choose all of creation, all of humanity, back to the very first story of creation. God created everything, and it was very good, right? That's the ultimate end goal, back where we're able to walk with God in the garden. We're going to get back there. But in order to get back there, we have to go through all these things and all these different efforts so that we can better understand it. Other pressing questions? Way in the back. the Garden of Eden, it says the tree of the, the truth and knowledge or evil and knowledge. Yes? Is it one or two trees? It's two different trees. In the tree uh, Garden of Eden, there's two different trees. The only tree they're told not to eat from is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is different than the tree of life. So those are the two different trees. So once they've eaten of the tree of good and evil and have that knowledge, the story is, God says, we have got to do something, otherwise they'll eat of this other tree of life and live forever. But there's no uh, prohibited from eating from that tree of life before that. It's really interesting to think about, right? Uh, God's intention is for us to live forever with God in that close intimateness from from creation and on, Um, and we mess that up. And so God has done all these things throughout history to try to get us To get back. And now we have Jesus. So that's good. Any other pressing questions from the Old Testament? Yes. If God created everything, didn't He also create serpents? Yes. If God created everything, didn't God create the serpent? One of the things we talked about at the 9 o'clock service, which is helpful to remember, um, how do we understand where evil comes from in the world? This is one of the most complicated theological questions, and we could talk about it for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. What do we do with that? What is the serpent? Is the serpent uh, some fallen angel or something that gets worked out into our mythology later, uh, Jewish and Christian mythology? But it seems pretty clear that in the creation, the serpent is just one of God's creatures who maybe doesn't tell the full truth. But why would maybe the serpent has free will? Is is a good question. Uh, one of the things that is interesting to note about. Um, Judaism and Christianity, as it it changes and develops throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, is there's a period of 250 years, we don't have any books. We call that the Apocrypha, the intertestamental. Daniel's the newest book, although it's not the last book, uh, about 200 BCE, before the Common Era. And 1 Thessalonians is the oldest of the New Testament, around 51, Paul's Paul's letters. So there's 250 years there. You remember the history, right? So when Jesus is around, who's in charge? The Romans, right? But the Romans took over for somebody. The Greeks. So back in 325, before the common era, Alexander the Great conquered the known world. Greek becomes the common language. Greek philosophy and ideas begin to seep into Judaism, right? The Greeks got that pantheon of gods. There's other divine beings. There's Hades, all these kinds of things going on. Before them were the Persians. The Persians thought there's good and there's evil, and they're diametrically opposed to each other. Well, but if there's only one God, and God is the only one who can create... How's that possible? Like this is early, that's early Judaism. But now we've got this Persian influence where there's light and dark and they're at battle with each other. And we get Greek, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. And we get all these kinds of influences that come into the Old Testament and the New. And so it's important to remember some of that history and where that comes from, that if you're reading uh, the Judaism of the Old Testament in, let's say, uh, Deuteronomy, it has a particular worldview. That maybe is different than the worldview that Ezekiel has, although not too different, um, which might be a lot different than the worldview that Daniel has, which is certainly different than we have in the New Testament because of the history and the culture and the things around that have happened. So I think that's an important thing to remember. And just like we talked about, like how we communicate at different levels with our children about what about fairness? How do you explain fairness to a two year old? It's black and white, right? Everybody gets the same. How do you explain fairness? To somebody living in poverty and somebody who lives in wealth? Might be a different, not everybody gets the same. Why not? Maybe we should give them more because they don't have any. How do you split three amongst two people, right? What's fair? There's some gradation. It's a little more complicated than everybody gets the same thing. And I think that's the same for us in our understanding of God. As we mature and our knowledge increases, we can see how These stories communicate truth always and how we can receive that truth uh, through the lens of this history. All right, I'm going to stop there because I went too long before. Thank you all for listening. Um, As part of this sermon series, on the whole Bible. Anytime you all have questions, please let us know. We'll be happy to try to engage you with them. Next week, Bob will cover the New Testament. We'll continue for there. I hope you are participating and engaging in God's story at the 10 o'clock hour, um, formation for all ages. It's an exciting time as we all attempt to grow in our understanding of God through the Holy Scriptures um, and uh, grow in relationship and closeness with God and each other. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your presence among us today. Thank you for your Holy Word given to us in the Old Testament. Encourage and inspire us to engage you in your word. Help us to understand the truth that you communicate, especially the the truth that you love us and that you desire to be in relationship with us. And even when we make decisions that are not what you would have us do, even when we do things that attempt to separate us from you and each other, Lord, that you are faithful to your covenant promises and that you will restore us. We thank you for that promise, for those covenants, for your love for us.